Hello and welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast, brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I'll be speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, today I am joined by Paulina Hawthorne, who's sitting across from me today in the podcast studio. And Paulina is Managing Director at Diversity NI Limited. You're really welcome into the podcast oh, studio. How are you? you? Thank you, Sarah, for having me. Absolutely fantastic today. Thank you. Good. Well, a pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, we've we've a lot to talk about today because you have established quite a company. And as with all my guests, we're going to begin with a little bit of background just to set the scene. So, so Paulina, as I said, is the managing director of what is actually the largest interpreting and translation service in Northern Ireland. But Paulina began her career as a television presenter in her home country of Bulgaria before coming to Northern Ireland in 2007. Following her move, Paulina worked with local businesses and the public sector to provide interpretation and translation services. Now, during this time, she identified a need for a professional and dedicated interpreting service that could serve both the business community as well as reaching out to non-English speaking residents moving to and living in Northern Ireland. As a result, Paulina established Diversity NI in 2010 and the business specialises in offering professional interpreting and translation services and accredited training programmes too. Now, here are some figures that are incredible. The company currently works with a dedicated team of over 700, yes, 700 fully qualified interpreters from a variety of cultures and backgrounds, speaking 75 different languages across Northern Ireland, with 19 brand new Ukrainian interpreters as well. Paulina, whenever you actually listen I, to what you have achieved and when you look at those stats, I didn't even think, you know, there were that many languages I being know, spoken I know. in Northern Ireland. But I, then the I, need, you've, you've, you've really established, you've really tapped into something that was missing. I think it's very incredible when I hear those numbers. Uh, and we're talking about nationalities and languages that are currently across Northern Ireland. Um I mean, that's a very different place we're in today than what it was 15 years ago. And let's just talk about whenever you moved from Bulgaria. Yes. So I want to ask you too. You were a TV presenter Oh in my Bulgaria. God, can you imagine that? Imagine. Can you imagine that? So who did you I work was, for and what um, did you do? I was working for uh, a broadcaster, BTV. Um, and uh, and that, was an, uh, that still is a national television in Bulgaria. Uh, we were doing live TV, 45 minutes, one-man show, live TV. It was aired every night. We were three presenters, so we were taking a turn each. And I think uh, during that time, I realized one minute is a very long time Mm -hmm. to (laughs) talk about things. The saving grace for me back then was that I just had a lot of fun and no social media to really, you know, have dig into, uh, you know, you. the things. I hear you. 
as a young, especially as a young girl, uh-huh. as a young girl, that was, I mean, we had a team that are doing our hair, our makeup, what do you, the style, styling, you know, what are you wearing? And we had the fun and none of the difficulties. The criticism and the judgment. Yes. I, because I, you know, obviously Absolutely. did the same thing yeah. here. But I didn't like it when social media started. Then it suddenly became very apparent that, you know, there were yes. people out there that you yes. know, brought you down where you were having fun. And then suddenly this criticism yes. and judgment, usually about appearance. Yes. Started. And you know what? I can understand that's normal. It, I can understand people, you know, people go and it's free. You just lash it out. That's fine. And I just remember, um, I know that's probably a little bit off topic, mm-hmm. but I remember when uh, um, when Caroline Fleck committed suicide. And I remember, I really liked Caroline Fleck, but I never took the time to go on. So I never felt the need to go on social media to tell her, actually, I really like you. I felt that, why, why would I do that? Mm-hmm. And uh, But then you find out that there's plenty of people that find the need to go to tell her, I really don't, don't like you. And that had such a bad effect on on uh-huh. her, obviously. So I had all of the fun. I was a v- at a, I was a girl growing up with a very low self confidence because I was always extremely skinny and extremely tall. And all of a sudden, uh, we had a team around us that were telling us, "You know what? You, it's fine. It's okay." And um, so, what was your background? How did you get into the TV world? Oh my God! What a question! Oh, question for ten million dollars. Um, absolutely by chance by accident like every fabulous thing that happens in my life (laughs) so I at the time I wanted to study in American University and I was so highly motivated I started studying English in my early 20s and that was from five o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock at night every day I started from the basics literally when and in 18 months I sat TOEFL and SATs you know whatever yeah. a TOEFL um, to uh, to go to American University and uh, it started to become apparent that perhaps I'm not going to to an American University but I was coming back to my hometown and I remember walking I mean I was in living in Sofia at the time coming back to my hometown and uh, getting off the bus walking you know getting my way to home and I remember seeing a friend of mine and her brother-in-law and we say hello to each other and so good to see somebody like I can recognize even though you're thinking I'm seeing Bulgaria in Sofia but there you go there was somebody that I couldn't, yeah, I could recognize. And uh, and uh, the, her brother-in-law happened to be one of the producers. We met later on that day for a coffee. Uh-huh. Yeah, a big part of the Bulgarian culture, going out for coffee. People here go out for a beer, we go out yeah, for, for coffee, coffee, but there you go. And uh, and he said, well, like, I, I, I'm very keen to invite you to a um, an audition come and you know, you know audition we have that new new program coming and starting and we're looking for three presenters and you're very welcome to come and I said oh no no I'm sorry I'm, I'm going to an American university he said I don't think you, you understand what I, you really am of you know proposing you know come <laughs> to an audition and uh, and uh, when it came apparent that I'm not going to American University that was 13th of June uh, I phoned him because I needed a job and I said listen that audition you're talking about is that still on and he said well actually it's on the 4th of July and I said yeah can I still come yeah mm-hmm. come on in I, I went there and so I just recognized every single face that I saw I recognized 
from it was a popular face and I was just thinking I might as well go home um. I phoned my sister and she said no don't you dare coming home you're staying there so I, I mean I ended up getting a job wow so that's all that so I love that because it's a great story of how you know you got to take those opportunities and even though they terrify you and you think I don't think I can do this yes it, you'll never know unless you try absolutely and you don't know what opportunities um lie there now Fast forward. Yes. Right. Why, why Northern Ireland? Well, uh, when I decided to come to Northern Ireland, my parents thought I was absolutely crazy because they thought you're settled here, you have a great career. Why? Why well, I want to leave? Why? I want to know. And <laughs> I, I could, I could speak. I mean, the thing is, at that time, my English was pretty good. Okay, so I knew my English was very good, and I wanted to travel. And I've never travelled. And what you have to understand, Bulgaria was part of European Union in 2007. Before that, was was fairly difficult mm-hmm. for a young person to leave. But this opened up. This opened up borders opportunities. And opportunities. And it took me really six months to get my act together, really, and to okay, I want to, I want to come uh, to Northern Ireland. And why Northern Ireland is because we were, in, I was interpreting together with other people for a company in Northern Ireland who was exploring properties in Bulgaria and this is how I get to know somebody from here and I could rent an apartment from them here and that was incredible I mean that was the the, the hardest thing for anyone coming to different countries where do you live you know where do you stay where do you start where do you where build do you a life how do you so once I knew that I had an apartment to come to I came first for 10 days in April, I remember it was April or May in 2007. So I was 24. I set up those um, um, different uh, interviews. I got a job in a call center and I went back home. I gave a month notice and I thought that is possibly the best job that I could possibly dream for because to me, that was a school of of accents, speaking all day, not only speaking, selling. Oh my God, what an opportunity. And I'm thinking, I'm going to take that. I'm so excited about it. What was the call center? Um, LBM. LBM in, I think that was West Belfast, maybe. I'm not too sure. Um, and, and your it was primary... Incredible goal was it to improve your English absolutely further? and did you know that you were were you thinking about an, being an interpreter at that stage because you were doing a little not bit just work? yet okay. not just yet because at the time Sarah I didn't know I mean how naive so I'm 24 I'm arriving to this country that I know so little about I'm thinking of all the things happening were from the last century. So naive. I mean, the information I have is literally from Cranberries and the Zombie song, right? That's it. I, I mean, it's so naive. So did you I, know anything back, about Northern Ireland? Looking back, oh my God, how could I? And, and, and I mean... Well, you don't no, know. You've, you don't I know. Just I wouldn't I have came, known much about Bulgaria. Well, I came here, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, there might be some disagreements in the community, you know. <laughs> but, you know, exactly. But probably that was way, that was nice sorted. So, I, ca- I mean, I came with... Uh, I was very naive at a the time. A blank canvas. Yes. Is that a, maybe an opportunity as well? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think, And I think, do you know what? I am... Um, me being, I think this this served me really well through the years, uh, and in my career as an interpreter, and in my career as a managing director of diversity, and I, 
is my ability to look into things impartially. Okay. And I think this is a very difficult thing to master. So I came, uh, when I, my target was four sales a day, I was doing 10. And I thought, you know what, I, I, I can do that, I can do that. I can do that. And that was the first time where I thought, um, there is a hope. There is a hope for me, okay? I was on my own. Um, I was very cautious and very aware of my um, of my safety, really. As a, as a you know, I was I didn't have any family and friends in here. If I was to disappear, a young woman. no one will know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you feel nervous? Um, I wouldn't say nervous. I felt I felt very aware of my surroundings. I, I may and say did, that uh, how way. were you treated how were you treated brilliantly right Bri- with kindness were people with kindness because really yes. we didn't have very many the people coming is, to northern ireland at the, that stage yeah the thing is sarah i think every in every country doesn't matter where where you are you come across good people and you come across not so good people and this is very normal mm-hmm. this is extremely mm-hmm. normal and i think it's 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 a responsibility of it i felt at the time that it was my responsibility to take the good and to keep the good in in me, and to keep and to be grateful for, for every little kindness that I met, and I came across along the way, because that is what built me. I didn't want to be angry. I didn't want to be nervous. I didn't want to be. That was a choice that I I really really wanted to make for myself because this is what, I mean, I came home on my own. You know, I got up in the morning, went to work on my own. There is, n- do you know what Nobody. I mean? Nobody. Uh, yeah. So um, at the time, I didn't know something that was very important. Bulgarian Romanians at the time could stay, come in Northern Ireland, could stay in Northern Ireland, but we weren't allowed to work in Northern Ireland. Oh my goodness. So it took me three months. So for every job, it was just one of those ridiculous things that the employer goes to home office and tell them, oh, we have that Bulgarian lady, can we please employ her? And the home office say, no, sorry, you can't. So every three months, I was literally with a new job going. So as soon as I start a new job, go and look for another one. That was a roller coaster. I mean, what, what, who lives like that? I had no idea. So, uh, no, so you were thank God that's not like that anymore. No, but at the time, I can remember <laughs> yes. that period. And yes. there were new cultures coming in and you were aware of different um, people arriving from different countries. But I thought... They were all welcomed into the economy. No, well, not necessarily. It wasn't as straightforward as that. Okay, and I did. I mean, again, twenty-four, high naive. I'll put it to die that down to that. I wouldn't be harsher on myself at the time. So what happened then? Well, what inspired I, well, work? then I find out that the only way I can stay and work legally here is as uh, a self-employed. Now, obviously, time has passed. Circumstances has changed. Um, thing has changed in terms of you know, I was self-employed then I started a course then I sorted out my documents and that was very very important s- step of the process and uh, and uh, that's what where I it really I had to be an interpreter I had to use my I had to gain the qualification and I had to I had to be self-employed interpreter so where do you get your qualification then well at that this stage? is where I found inspiration for Diversity and I. Because access to that type of qualification 
was not straightforward. It was like that secret sort of society where you ask other interpreters, hey, can I become an interpreter? And they say, oh, oh, I can't really tell. Not enough business. Not enough business for anybody. <laughs> or maybe, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was just thinking, this is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I know that there are not many Bulgarians, but I'm sure I can do something good for the community. And I find out later on, um, again, my, my, uh, my, I went on a training, I got, you know, got registered, I was working successfully. And so the, we are now talking, um, when I started diversity 2010, what I really wanted to do is to get level six diploma in public service interpreting. And this was a co- the qualification, the number one qualification that could set me apart from other translators right. and interpreters. So we are talking about a regis- register at the time, Sarah, when I started, of about probably 150 people. All of them, I'm a vast majority, I'll say a good 90, over 90% at level three. And, I, and, and for specific jobs like trials for example yes give us an example of there of were the people who had to i mean the people had to travel from from mainland uk to come and for those jobs and i thought that's absolutely ridiculous why can't we have people that are qualified in northern ireland have opportunity to excel themselves have opportunity not just to work for local organization but to wear that hat of you know being a member professional member of a professional organization and widen their horizons of the type of clients really that they can work with i mean to me that was so obvious so i reached out to the charting of linguists at the time and we've built that brilliant relationship with them. And you know what? Just before I came here to see you today, I had that conversation with John, their chief exec, and we are putting that great, you know, training together, free of charge for interpreters, just to show them, okay, this is this is the pathway. These are the opportunities where you can go. These are the different hats you can wear. It's not only public service interpreting. It's not only private sector interpreter. It there is other things out there that are equally as fascinating and can earn so much more money as well. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries. From employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law, Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 75 different languages. The newest Tell us some language, yes. of the languages. So the newest, do you know what? It is always really incredibly, I don't know what way to take it, but sometimes we have some requests for languages that every company sometimes thinks, well, I've never heard about that language before. And this is, um, I, I kind of hold that expectation of me that I have to know every <laughs> single language on under the sun. And sometimes I have to be honest, you, you know, don't. nobody's perfect. But this year we had Nuer 
Nuer language. Okay, so I didn't know about Nuer, I'll be honest. With, oh, with your did audience. you not? No, I didn't. <laughs> <know>. <laughs> oh, I know that really well. So Nuer language is spoken in uh, South Sudan. Nuer. South Sudan. Nuer. And uh, that was, I mean, we, we found the Nuer speakers. And uh, we, um, you know, we, we are holding tight and we are, you know, qualifying them and all the rest of it. And it's... And this is, when I do that, this is giving me an incredible buzz into me. So that I'll was give that you another example. Okay, Sorry, yes. can I give you another yes. example? I remember back, a couple of years back, before the pandemic, definitely, I remember the Marine and Coast Guard Agency contacted us out of the blue and say, we have this recording that is in Danish language. No one wants to do it. 11 companies said no to us. Would you be able to do it? It took me three months. I was like a dog with a bone. And I was like, listen, if you give me that, I'll get it. This is now the job of my life. It wasn't even, I wasn't even making that much money out of it. But it doesn't matter. It just just excited me. And I just thought, do you know what? If you have a challenge, I will solve it. That's my thing. I love it. And how do you find the people when you've got a request and well, it is really difficult? Thing. So uh, where do you go for nowhere? How oh did you God. find? Well, I um, I, I, I talk to people. I know that's... Uh, how does that sign? I talk to people. I. But they're not necessarily living and working in Northern Ireland. They are. You, they can are. you imagine that they knew... I mean, I was going thinking, I'm going to find that nowhere speaker even if I have to go to South Sudan. <laughs> and I find them in Belfast. That's yes, but it's uh, but but isn't that isn't it incredible that interpreting as a career gives you that rare opportunity to tap into so many different aspects of people's lives. I find that fascinating. So what does it take to be a good interpreter? I can speak English. Yes. If I was to go somewhere else and, and translate, um, you know, obviously I have, to, I have to have the other language too, but what yes. makes me, how would I be a good interpreter? Number one, have a really good people skills. When an interpreter goes to a job, you can imagine that if I am a foreign national, which I am, come to Northern Ireland, I go and register with the GP, I go and register with the home uh, with the home office, yes, I go and register with my national insurance number, I go and get my bank account. But if I don't speak English and I have an interpreter, and if I'm an interpreter, I will get to know what their names are, where do they live, how do they have any children, how many children they have, what school those children go to, what car do they drive, is that car insured, not insured, do they have driving license, do they have a bank account, which bank they're banking with, their PIN number. Yeah, there's a, it's a lot of information. So number one, confidentiality, not sharing any information. I mean, there's so much in place, interpreters signing their lives away, making sure that they're aware of the confidentiality aspect of it. I mean, the w- number one thing, oh, there's everything number one, but it's, there's so many important things that for us as a managing company are looking out for. For example, identity fraud. I mean, that's a big thing. Right. You get to know so much information. We shout out a lot about that. You know, it's a very important aspect of the training. And people need to know that all that information, they cannot hold any of that information. Um because all those organizations not necessarily will talk between 
themselves. But the interpreter can come across. So it's whether you're working for the organisation, but at the end of it, you've got a human being that's Absolutely. involved and, and, and lots of vulnerable human yes. beings. You do a lot of work in that in and that area. Will, yeah, so Ukrainian yeah. refugees, you've had Syrian refugees. Yes. How complex has that been? I mean, that has been the the uh, that has been fairly complex. The organizations that were involved in that were running an absolute military operation. It really was. Interpreters were fantastic, absolutely incredible. And it took a lot of, I mean, it, it took a lot into the training. The training was essential, absolutely essential, just because you're placing those people dealing with other people's emotions and then having to deal with their own emotions. Because so ta- talk me through how it's working at the minute. You've you've actually got brand new, um, 19 brand new Ukrainian interpreters. interpreters. Yes. Did you find them in Northern Ireland? Yes. And then maybe we, that, well, you know, how did they, how did they go and how do they help? And obviously yes. they're from the country that they see with this awful oh, tragedy is unfolding. Oh, yeah, what a difficult situation for them to be in. But maybe they weren't, you know, this was something they were finding themselves going into interpreting. Yeah, absolutely, yes. So, so how does that work? What happened was uh, we were coming from a very solid experience, five years more, more 2015, um, experience with the Syrian refugee crisis. So we, we've gained quite a lot of knowledge in that. We know how to run it. We know what part of the training that needs to get in. We know, I mean, those are those are solid things you go through and learn, mm-hmm. sometimes the hard way, sometimes the better way. But it's uh, nevertheless, it's a good learning. So I knew that I wanted to help um, in some way the community. And, I, and the, the, the straightforward thing is, yes, you, you give money to Red Cross or, you know, organizations that are, that are sending, you know, aid there, and you do do that. But I wanted to do a help, to, do, to offer help that will be more relevant to my industry and relevant to what we are doing. And we invested 7,500 points in training those people that are from Ukraine, they are speaking Ukrainian language, they understand the background, the sensitivities around different issues. And it was, do you know what, it has been absolutely so rewarding, fascinating, incredible for me to meet those people face to face, to talk to them, to to offer them the training, how to be good interpreters, what will make you a professional interpreter, what are the troubleshooting, what issues you're going to come across, and that's perfectly normal, what can you do to help it? No one is born knowing all the words at all time. Everybody will have a little stumble. How do you manage those situations? Nobody is born, you know, not coming across difficult situations. How do you manage that? Mm. What do you do? So that was very, very empowering for them, and I think... That give them because that qualification is something that they're gonna hold, and they can keep for themselves. It's empowering them to help their community. So it wasn't necessarily it. making. It wasn't a business initiative for you. This was you knowing that totally. this investment needed to be totally. made, and yes. for Ukrainian people, the value totally. of having somebody from their own country who actually exactly. speaks their language. And that is one of the things that I always try and think of is because I want to wear the T-shirt in for myself to say, Do you know what, I've done something good t- today. Mm-hmm. That is not motivated by money, no. and it's not and. 
this is one of the reasons why I will go into charitable events, I will go in, I will do something. But I prefer to do something than rather just give money. I prefer to go in and spend the time. And use those skills. And yes. you obviously have a very unique set of skills as well that... All of a sudden, you know, it, it just kind of came handy. Well, look, look, look at what you've <laughs> achieved with diversity, NI, over the, over the past 12 years. Do you pinch yourself at times at what you've built? Well, do you know what? I don't... Ne- I mean, sometimes I read those articles, and, I, and do you know what? I don't, e- I, I don't even have them. And everybody says you have to have them, you have to have them on, a, you know, on the wall, put them in a frame. And I haven't done that because I kind of feel like, well... I'm sort of, you know, been in the right place and right time. Do you mm. know what I mean? I, it's it's kind you've of a been surreal in the right place at the right to time, me. But you've taken a risk. You've taken the leap. You've it is taking so a risk. So it's even appreciating yes. that you have done that. You could have been in the right place at the right time and thought, way too much work. <laughs> well, can I tell you, it is way too much work. Okay. It is way too much work, but it what keeps me going. I love it. I love to know. So my, I mean, the one of the things that absolutely get me going so much is uh, a super rare language, like Lovari Roma. Who heard of Lovari Roma? Nobody. Right? Nobody. And I am getting up in the morning and going to bed thinking, I am going to find a Lovari Roma language. And guess what? It happens that I do. I remember past a uh, number of years ago, right? Number of years ago, we had no Spanish interpreter. Uh, can you imagine? I had the language, Spanish, the most obvious one, Spanish, French, German, right? Spanish, I mean, it didn't have. And then we had a client who came and said, we want 15 or 12 Spanish interpreters. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Didn't sleep. We had a training starting at the time. And I'm talking back. Probably 2020, I don't want to get the the wrong year. It's quite a few years back. And on that training, I am not joking you, we had half of it was only Spanish interpreters. Why does the universe do that? Wasn't that lucky? I find that too. It's like the universe provides. Yes, (laughs) it really does. When you're looking, you say, you weren't looking before. I was like, can't believe it. I mean, thank you. You've just brought to me. Thank you for this gift. That was easy. um, It was amazing. And things sort of worked out for me. Isn't that a secret? In a, a, in a way, and you I receive. don't know. Yes, well, I don't know about <laughs> that. I'm, I'm more like, I'm more like, I'm on the practical side, get up and going, you know, show up, show up. I mean, my granny, I remember, my granny always, she's a, she wasn't a highly educated lady, but one thing she left with me, and my father used to be really big into that, is show up, get up, dress up, show up, keep going. Keep going. Is it tough? It's tough. It's not. Who, who told you it's going to be easy? Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. There's nothing easy. That's the thing. Exactly. And you are keeping going. What is a typical day in a life like for you at the minute? Well, a typical day at the minute. Because you have two kitties as well. I have two children who keeps me on my toes. And uh, it, do you know what? It is... Um, uh, I can answer that pretty practically, what a typical day is. I can say, do you know what, post-COVID, it's not what it used to be, yes. But uh, I, am a, I am a big fan since COVID. I only started running, actually, during COVID. Yes, I couldn't run no. of the, the length of myself. Couldn't run for a minute, never mind 
5K, right? And you're doing it. So I'm doing it. And I thought, you know what? I'm taking that very seriously. I'm contacting a beautiful lady called Kelly Neely, who is an Irish champion in running. I'm thinking, what the heck? You know, I'm going to go the whole way. I'm training with her. I said that to a friend of mine. <laughs> A couple of weeks back, and she said, Paulina, you are crazy. <laughs> Everybody can run. You have legs. <laughs> you have just, you move. just move. You don't need you don't a need coach for that. Champion. Exactly. And I just thought, no, no, I, I, you know, so I go to this incredible lady, and she, she, she it, it's hard, it's tough. Yeah. But do you know what? It is, um, I have one of those, we, I always set myself a little goals um, for each year. And uh, back six years ago, uh, or no, nine years ago, I, I couldn't swim. And I thought, I can't go through life without swimming. You know, I couldn't swim front crawl. I could sort of swim a little bit in the water, but I couldn't, I'm not, I'm not a strong swimmer. So I thought, I'm going to have to learn how to swim. And I did. Did you? Yes, six weeks. That's done. Six weeks and yeah, you could swim. Done. And do you swim a lot now? I would go swimming now, yes. And with the children and everything, it. that's great. And what an incredible So you set yourself things. a challenge and you thought, I, I can't do this, challenge. but that doesn't mean I can never do this. I'm going to learn. Exactly. So the running, how's the running going? Fabulous. Do you do it? Are you just running all the <laughs> It's good for the men- mentally and physically. See, I run a so, tiny bit. I find it hard, though. So here is the thing. I am listening to a podcast with Kelly Neely. And she goes through all those figures. Oh, my uh, 400 meters is whatever seconds, and my 1500 meters is whatever. I go and run with her. Say, Kelly, how do you remember all those numbers? I mean, so many numbers, like 20 minutes of the podcast, like like numbers. How do you even remember that? I said, Oh, Polly, believe me, when you start running those, you will remember your personal best. And do you know what I do? So I what do. are we do- what are we setting at now? Uh, here, so 5K. Are, do you know what the 5K? Let, before going to 5K, let's talk about 400 meters. 400 meters are strong 400 meters today I run my 400 meters my top speed is 17.5 kilometers an hour I mean I have to tell you that's impressive even if I say so myself sorry apologies if I come across not so modest (laughs) I would totally pick that up but for someone who couldn't who couldn't run I mean, I'm thinking I couldn't run at all. And so I'm running that night. So do you break it up? You don't just go for the big, the so big distance. So you have a different type of running. So you have that interval We've gone running. Completely off piece now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I'm fascinated. <laughs> right, you go. I mean, you have that. Then you have your five k. Then you have your long, easy runs. So if you manage to do that three times a week. You you sort it. Yes, you sort it. Well, you're doing brilliantly. So that's a. I did ask you for your day in your life. So it's it's totally Starts taken with up with running. Yes. Starts with Starts that. with that. Starts with running. Go to the office. Get onto the emails. Sort things out. I I just take everything off the list. Respond to every query. Get you know if someone is waiting. I hate when I go and wait on people to come back to me. And I, can I apologize if that ever happened to any of my clients? I do try my so best. So you respond to every, every query. I have to. I mean, obviously straight away. T- no, we have a team. Okay, uh-huh. we have a team. So they're they're being chan- channeled. Okay, mm-hmm. we have the booking team. We have the account team. We have me. So I will be the one that will be dealing with clients um, in terms of if there is new clients or I'll be dealing with training for interpreters, I'll be dealing with, you know, I wear different hats. Right, well, what's the biggest challenge been? Biggest challenge. Biggest challenge. Do you know what? Um, for me, the biggest challenge is always is to maintain in a good place and to look forward and to see what's next. Okay, what's next? Because very soon, 
I think you can take your eye off the ball. Yeah. Mm. So for me, the biggest challenge is number one, maintain that good place, stay in the good place. What are the things that make me stay? What are the practical things that make me stay in that good place where I am productive and I I I, I do have my a job? Purpose yes, and it's exactly. Yeah. So I have that list and I make sure all those things for my essential list are scheduled in my diary. And that's that's challenging because life do does happen. Things happen. And the thing is, it's normal. That's normal. You know, it's normal to have setbacks. It's normal to have, you know, difficulties. Mm -hmm. That's fine. How we manage them. And the challenge is to think, okay, well, then what's next? And I have something very incredibly, incredibly fascinating coming in September. But... I am so scared to say more in case I let myself down and I actually don't don't I'm not ready for September but it is get it's in the making it's nearly there it's absolutely honestly Sarah and it gets me so you. excited you don't want to say it out loud oh, I just want to do it you want to I want to do it and when it's done I want to talk about it so you'll have to come back and do part yeah, two then. I know. <laughs> and how exciting is that? <laughs> well, it sounds I- incredibly exciting, but it is that sort of, I'm going to jinx myself if I say anything. Yes, so I'll I just know. Not. Do you know what it gets my, uh, honestly. Is it another so risk exciting. involved? It's always a risk. Because you love risk. It's always you? a risk. Yeah, and we'll that's have a to. great learning for everybody uh, listening to this today. Um, well, I always say, do you know what? Business is heat. Okay, you get the heat. Yeah, and, and I always thought to myself, do you know what? If you can't take the heat, don't go into the kitchen. Not every and do you know what? Not everyone can take the heat. That's true. And that's okay. That's perfectly fine. Don't go into the kitchen. But if you're in the kitchen and I'm thinking, okay, if I want to make an omelet, you're gonna have to break few eggs to make an omelet, right? And tough decisions have to be made. And sometimes those tough decisions are not necessarily the right decisions. Yeah. But sometimes you know what? I always think make a decision, even if it's a wrong decision, make a decision. And then reflect, move on, make a better decision next time. But to me, that has always been very, I find that very inspiring when I struggle. If I get to look into only one thing and then I think that's it, you know, oh, you know, if I get darker thoughts or no, 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 go back to the good place. So maintaining that is challenging. But really important. Um, Now, I ask everybody this question. You've already given fabulous advice to anybody who's starting up a business or who has an existing business and they want to grow it. But I always ask, what advice would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? So what I would, I would only, I can only suggest that based on my personal experience. So take it or leave it. If it doesn't work for you, throw it out with the bin. As uh, my favorite, favorite mentor, Professor Steve Peters would say, uh, find exp- inspiration in the chief management. Never if mind. I'm not gonna. So I know I, if it doesn't work, yeah. But I would give you. I'll give. I'll tell you what I've done. Okay. So, what advice I can give is number one. Number one. Start very small with one step at the time. Sometimes I see people who want to wake up to a multi-million point company and have those grand ideas. And I'm just thinking, you know what, start crawling before walking, yeah? So start just with something very simple. Don't chuck your day job just yet. Start with something simple and find one customer. Sometimes people are 
uh, sometimes I find myself as well, and I can only speak from experience, sometimes I think, oh, th- this is my problem. My problem is, where is my office going to be? No, Paulina, this is not your problem. Your problem is, who is your customer? Who is fitting the bill? Who is your supplier? Who is delivering the service? So cut that n- noise around and stick in date identify the actual you know what is the actual mm-hmm. issue and do it small do it just one can you get one customer can you sell one thing can you get another one can you say one more and build gradually when i started i did the web first website myself it looks hideous my my first um business cards absolutely hideous i mean it took me probably 10 years in the making for me to actually come up with a more professional logo but i didn't have the money for no. it i didn't go and splash on a you know bmw to say oh i'm that incredible business person you know i was driving my nissan micro <laughs> or whatever <laughs> it was at the time but what i'm trying to say is before i came here i had a conversation with my sister and my, the, my, the biggest issue the biggest concern my sister had at the time there were many but the one that came across to me was Oh my gosh, Polly, how are you going to get through the airport? I looked at her thinking, that's a list of my worries. What am I going to do with my job? You know, this is the biggest thing. So be very careful to prioritize what is the actual problem. Solve it. Yeah, move on. But start small. Start small. Start very small. Identify the problem, the right problem. And keep going. Keep going. And think, I'm here to stay. And I'm here to stay for a long time. So even if I get a knockback, I'll get up and go. I don't count the times that I won contracts. I learn from the times I lost contracts because this is where the backbone lies and your muscles grow. Because the more you lose it, you're reflecting. I remember I lost one, one contract back in 2015. How many people call me to say, Did you, are you going to close diversity? I'm not closing diversity. We keep going because... That's what being resilient is. Who said it's going to be easy? Paulina, I'm not going to ask or say another word. What a brilliant ending there for oh. the Public Eye podcast today. It has been a joy talking to you. Oh, and thank you so to much. hear about all that you've established. And, you know, as we become more multicultural and as businesses expand in Northern Ireland, I'm sure there will be an even greater need for all sorts of incredible languages that we haven't even heard of yet uh, in Northern Ireland. Thank you for sharing your incredible journey with all the Public Eye listeners. And I'll see you next time. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.